0: Ah uh-uh. ah, Michael Oke! Okay. Hello everyone, and welcome to Elegant Aesthetics, a podcast dedicated to cuteness and, of course, elegance. The first few episodes will be dedicated to a select short part of Kamikaze Girls, the novel by Navala Takamoto, which was translated by Akimi Wegmuller. I will read a short snippet of the book, then give some commentary on what I just read and then some comments on Lolita fashion culture in general as it's brought up. A little bit about your host here. My name is Annie, also known as Aririchu, formerly known as Achirin. Uh, I've dabbled in YouTube, Vine, TikTok, and Instagram throughout the years with a common theme of Lolita fashion in Japanese culture. Excuse me. I was um, about 15 years old when I found the fashion and began wearing it a few years later. I am now the extraordinarily healthy age of 26 and would like to try and dive into the world of podcasting. Like I said before, the first few episodes will be dedicated to kamikaze girls, reading and commentary, but I'm also hoping to do other things as well related to lowly to fashion. Stick around to find out what they are. Without further ado, let's jump into a reading of kamikaze girls. Aussie girls, a novel by Novella Takamoto, translated by Akemi Wegmüller, Part 1. A true Lolita must nurture a Rococo spirit and live a Rococo lifestyle. Rococo is the name of that supremely elegant and sumptuous era that dominated La France in the later part of the 18th century. In art history terms, Rococo refers to the period that appeared after Baroque, which lasted from around 1715 to 1770 or so, and possessed a stateliness and majesty based on Catholic beliefs. And, without giving it any deep thought whatsoever, started using curves for no other reason than, hey, round is cuter than square. And, just because the solemn masculine dynamism of Baroque was sort of oppressive, plus all serious and boring, came up with a decorative style that was fancy, ornate, and feminine. Well, which sounds very nice, but actually it's just terribly frivolous. After enjoying its heyday, Rococo, derived from rachelle, or misshapen pebble in French, was treated as a blot on the history of art due to its complete lack of thought. Shall we just pretend it never happened? It's so stupid. Yep, mm mm-hmm, yes, let's ignore it. And with that, buried into oblivion. Consequently, painters of the Rococo period, such as Watteau and Boucher, are even today considered with greater disdain than they deserve as artists. Just as Rococo is treated in art history as a period everyone would like to forget, the entire era its fashions, lifestyles, and everything else seems to be considered best forgotten by the intelligentsia. Just look at world history textbooks. The sections covering the Rococo period are super compact and never very flattering either. Well, the first person most people mention as the representative character of the Rococo period is Marie Antoinette, who lived in the lap of luxury in Versailles. Said, let them eat cake? when told her people had no bread and got denounced for that and turned into a total villain by Hiroshi Kume on the news station, earned the wrath of her subjects and got her head chopped off on the guillotine when those subjects staged a revolution. Although, the truly representative character of Rococo, as Madame de Pompadour, who raised herself from low social standings, insinuated herself into the upper class with her wit and beauty, and ultimately became the power behind the throne, controlling King Louis XV from the shadows. In fact, it would be no overstatement to say that her personal tastes and interests were synonymous with Rococo culture. So, maybe it can't be helped that Rococo tends to be understood as the antithesis of freedom and equality. But even so, I don't care what anybody might say. I am living the Rococo lifestyle. Regarding Boucher, who took the Rococo elements that make up the paintings of Watteau, one of the leading Rococo painters, and incorporated them into his works even more lavishly, his contemporary Diderot, I'm not sure what this person did, all I know is he compiled an encyclopedia so maybe something like French Kyousuke Kendaichi, Kendaichi compiled a Japanese dictionary after all, well, maybe not, I'm not sure, made the following declaration. He is morally decadent, does not understand elegance or know truth, has never seen nature, and lacks taste. He also said about Boucher's paintings that they contain only elegance, cloying sweetness, fantastic gallantry, colloquy, facility, chained brilliance, made-up skin tones, and lewdness. So this Diderot person made some terribly contradictory statements, one moment saying Boucher doesn't understand elegance, the next moment saying his paintings are elegant. But, regardless, I suppose he basically hated everything that is Rococo. To those who love Rococo, however, his very condemnation of Boucher and of Rococo culture that he wanted to criticize through his attack on Boucher's paintings reads like praise. Prizing elegance, sweet emotions and fantasy more than morals and truth, wallowing in fleeting romance rather than trying to give meaning to life. When, who knows what's going to happen to you anyway? Ignoring virtue and conventions to cherish only the pleasure that pleasures you are definitely experiencing now. This is the Kokoro of Rokoko. A little pun in Japanese, if you please. Kokoro means spirit. No matter how much deep thought, hard work, and antagonizing effort went into coaxing out some insight, if that insight is boring or beautiful, it doesn't matter, and even if something is made just for laughs, if you find it pleasing, it has value. Other people's opinions and labor do not figure into your assessment. Choosing things with your own personal sense of, I like this, I don't like that, is the ultimate individualism that sustains the very foundation of Rococo. Rococo, therefore, embodies the spirit of punk rock and anarchism more than any philosophy. Only in Rococo, elegant yet in bad taste, extravagant yet defiant and lawless, can I discover the meaning of life. When a baby is yanked out of the womb, the reason it's crying is that it's angry about being delivered into this hokey world of ours. Eventually, handed the lot of making its way through life with great disappointments, the baby thinks, So if you're saying I have to live in this crazy world, I've got my own ideas, I won't kick up a big fuss now because that's just embarrassing, but I'll take the liberty of ignoring the rules for living quietly, and do whatever the hell I want. And the first time a baby laughs is when it's made up its mind like that. So when you see a baby laughing for the first time, don't be so easily delighted. Look very carefully, and I'm sure you'll see that as it laughs, the baby's eyes are emitting a piercing gleam. Most people, however, forget that decision over time as they grow up. And before they know it, they're following all the rules and conventions they vowed to ignore. But... There exists a small minority of people who do not forget the vow they made when they first laughed, and those people, whether they cause their parents grief, or are condemned to a lifetime of poverty, or anything else, have no choice but to pursue a Rococo lifestyle to the end of their days. Lolita is defined as a type of street fashion known only in Japan, but for me, Lolita goes far beyond fashion and serves as my unwavering, absolute personal policy. Wearing a frilly blouse, a skirt over a huge ruffly petticoat, with my way squeezed into a corset, and a totally outlandish headdress is my way of pledging that I have devoted myself to Rococo. If I didn't dress in this totally conspicuous and bizarre way, I'd make friends and be popular with the boys, is what people tell me. And the more they say that, the more it fans the flames of my Lolita passion and stiffens my resolve to be a Lolita through and through. The Rococo period, from what I've gathered reading books and looking at paintings, was outrageous. The heights that we, discriminated against for being Lolitas, could never reach, no matter how hard we tried, were easily attained by the aristocratic ladies of the Rococo era. They would tighten their corsets as far as they could go and make their waist almost impossibly tiny, but then would be able, unable to stand for very long. The smallest shock would make it difficult for them to breathe and they'd faint and have to be carried off. This was even considered ladylike, and this was the kind of ideal that dominated the Rococo period. We're talking about a time when ladies would pile their hair higher and higher in elaborate hairstyles and top that off with a huge hat occupying their servants for hours and hours in the process, only to have their height doubled as a result, so that even on their knees, they couldn't get through the doorways of their mansions and would have to miss the very party they planned on attending in the first place. This rather foolish behavior occurred all the time in the Rococo era. The aforementioned Diderot probably scoffed at it, at it as ridiculous frippery beyond the bounds of reason, but for those who possess the Rococo spirit can only applaud with admiration. Does being reasonable guarantee happiness? Even if it does, isn't that happiness achieved only by enduring all kinds of things? Well, if I have to endure anything, I'd rather be unhappy. Because we rococo know there's no greater unhappiness than the simple fact of being born. Rococo is also called a wanton age, when elegance was used as an excuse to value pleasure above all else. Ooh, don't say wanton, it sounds so vulgar. It's true, however, that from the vantage point of hard working people today, the life of a noble lady in the rococo era seems considerably decadent. An ordinary day for a Rococo lady went according to the following schedule. Generally, you wake up at around 11 o'clock in the morning. The little puppy you keep in your room starts barking, so you languidly swoop, scoop him up onto the bed and, rubbing your eyes, play with him for a while. When you get tired of that, you finally get out of bed, crack open the drapes to see what the weather is like, and let them fall closed again. Then, you ring for your maid servant. As you sit there sipping the tea she brings you, still half in a daze, another maid servant appears. Now that you have two maids in there, it's time to get dressed. First, they slip off your negligee and put you in a dressing gown. You do absolutely nothing yourself. And, when they've done that, even though you aren't ill or anything, they each take one of your shoulders and slowly drag you to the makeup chamber. Then, they leisurely start making up your face. And when they're finally done with that, you move on to your dressing room and choose what you're going to wear. Then, it's time for a meal. After that, all you do until the sun sets is go on walks, play card games, which sounds very ladylike, but we're talking about gambling, folks, gambling, ride horses, go boating, and so on. At night, you attend concerts and plays or amuse yourself with dancing. Of course, you take a meal at some point, spending a lot of time at the table, greedily feasting on large helpings of all kinds of delicious things. Deeper into the night, you do the nasty. For people of the Rococo era, doing the nasty was not shameful, but more like a game or even a sport. And then, it was time to go to sleep. Certainly, one could call this a decadent, lazy lifestyle. But would you not agree that this is also a truly aesthetic Way of life. All kinds of amusements came into fashion among the people of the Rococo era, and of these, embroidery was quite the rage. For ladies of the nobility, embroidery, along with reading, had been popular from before the Rococo period as something one could do to occupy oneself when alone. But once into the Rococo times, for some reason, it enchanted the lords as well. It is said that the rococo was an age when men suddenly became feminized, in dress and other ways too. But even so, it's pretty funny to imagine noble gentlemen of honor with beards, spending their few moments away from political and military affairs, bent over an embroidery hoop, meticulously putting in stitches. Hey, Lord Simon, I've mastered the double blanket stitch! Wow, Lord Saxon, I'm so ham fisted I can't even get the back stitch right. Bring your embroidery hoop and needles over to my place for the next fox hunt. Don't forget your chalk, either. I'll teach you. Gee, thanks. Hey, I know. How about forming a sewing circle with a few of the guys? That sounds smashing. But let's keep it a secret from the women folk, and even if they do find out, no dames allowed, because women aren't serious enough. Oh. And how about in the summer, we'd do an intensive workshop. Ah, Rococo, what a silly age it was. But tis a fine line between silliness and supreme beauty. No more than a hair's breadth wide. Alright, now that I've read the short snippet out of Kamikaze Girls um, I'm going to give short commentary on what I just read in relation to Lolita fashion culture. I might also throw in some weird happiness philosophy stuff. (laughs) We'll see how it goes, so here we go. What does it mean to live the Rococo lifestyle? The Kokoro of Rococo, the spirit and heart of the 18th century era, is that of frivolous pleasure. Ignore virtue and conventions to cherish only the pleasures in life. That which qualifies as pleasure, despite its frivolousness, is not determined by others, but by your own assessment of the importance of beauty. Some words I found in the book that describe this era are as follows. Elegant, sumptuous, ornate, frivolous and true fantasy. I believe this mindset of beauty and happiness is something all lolitas can relate to in some way, ignore the typical conventions in life and cherish that which gives you pleasure and happiness. This rebellious kind of statement goes both against our sense of modern beauty and embraces the idea of beauty being the most important thing in one's life. Um, By saying modern beauty standards, I am referring to the concept that you have to change yourself and gain approval from others to become beautiful. The Rococo ideal presents the idea that happiness is what makes you beautiful, not the opinions of others. In fact, the book even goes as far to say as this is the epitome of individualism, which creates beauty. Dress in what pleases you and cherish the little frivolous things in life. Some might say that this is somewhat of a selfish ideal. However, I would argue, if one does not live happily, why does one live at all? I may be, of course, plugging my own personal mantra and code of living in here, but uh, I was once asked what I wanted out of life. (laughs) Big existential crisis question. (laughs) And uh, I think my answer is of some relevance here. At the time, I thought of stating various careers, travel plans, relationship goals as my want out of life. But what it really boiled down to was I wanted something that would give me lifelong happiness. Lifelong happiness. A seemingly impossible task, some might say. Or even to some... It might seem too simple a task, and it won't be fulfilling enough in one's life, but for me, it became a goal and a motivation for living in this world I was born into. Momoko, the narrator of the story, states that to a rococophile, there's no greater unhappiness than the simple fact of being born. Quite the dramatic statement indeed. <laughs> However, striving for that simple lifestyle of no worries and being surrounded by beauty is... Not all that dramatic to me. However, this is sort of edging into the discussion of escapism, but that's a talk for another day. (laughs) What What I'm trying to convey here is that happiness is important. Finding and living your passion is important. Find happiness in the small things. Find beauty in the frivolous. And find your reason for living in the seemingly unimportant. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the commentary and the reading of Kamikaze Girls. Um, Next episode we're going to dive into part two, um, another short snippet, and some more commentary. Um, If there's anything on this channel that you'd like to see in particular, please give me a shout out and I'll try and work it in. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye.